Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 29. This week on the episode, I've got a great conversation with Alex from the band Bad Planning out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, I'm a huge Chicago fan. Um, it's no secret if you know me or have followed the site for a while, Chicago is one of my favorite areas to go shoot shows and just a lot of the music that's come through there. So always excited when I get to talk to a band from there or, you know, something that's going on around there. Um, Alex and I had a great conversation talking about literally everything. Um, we go over his day job and how COVID-19 has affected him and the city of Chicago, kind of where he's at, things like that. Um, we also talk about some potential new music and re-recordings for fans. Um, we talked about just really everything. He puts on a, a little festival up there uh, for the last couple of years as well. Um, and yeah, had a great time talking with him. Um, I'm really glad he actually reached out to me uh, to do this interview. Hit me up on Instagram and asked if I'd be interested in doing something with him. And yeah, so big, you know, thanks to Alex for, for reaching out and, and seeing about doing this. That's where we're going to leave this for now. Um, on the intro, we're going to jump into our conversation with Alex from Bad Planning. Yeah, so so let's uh, we'll kick it off um, for the kind of the podcast intro. Uh, let's go ahead and I'll have you introduce yourself, uh, what you do in the band, um, you know, kind of what we did just a minute ago, um, but just sure. for the actual episode, and then uh, yeah, we'll run away with it, man. Awesome, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm I'm Alex. I am 21. I sing and I play guitar in Bad Planning. It's the little band I started in winter of 2014. Um, I've been I've, I've just been doing it. I've been playing guitar forever. Um, I live in beautiful Lake County, Illinois, with my fiance. Um, and uh, I'm an EMT firefighter in Elk Grove and Gurney, Illinois, as well. So that's my shit. I do 913 Fest, and that's all the stuff I do, pretty much. That, that that's my life. It's a, it's a good life. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad for sure. Um, so, you know, I get up to Chicago as often as I can up until mm -hmm. COVID happened and you all shut down the whole goddamn city and everything. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> um, Our mayor's not fucking around. No, but honestly, like, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it was that much of an overreach for for what she was trying to do. No, not 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 at all. This isn't, it's not like rural Wyoming or like Utah, right. where the where the population is, you know, close, you know, pretty much close to nothing. But with 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 such a big population, and you know, people being in pretty tight quarters, a place like Chicago, I mean, the 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 restrictions are, in my opinion, they they, they suffice to what's going on pretty pretty well. I think right, and I I think that's what a lot of people unfortunately don't fully understand is yeah. you know the the greater the population density the higher the risk of the spread and and all that so like new york it's no to me it's no surprise that new york is one of the highest hot points that there is of course right there's millions highest population yeah there's millions upon density. millions of people there like right yeah absolutely i don't know 
you're you're in Indiana. Is it more lax there? I don't, I don't um, know. so we're we're starting. Um, in fact, I think it started technically last week. We're rolling out a plan to um, slowly start reopening this week. I want to say at the end of last week, restaurants could open at fifty percent capacity um, for dine in, and then. I think gyms and, and shit like that open this week. Oh, so they're, they're again at reduced capacity and stuff, but they're trying to, I think what our governor is trying to do is we were pretty tight as well. Like Mm -hmm. it was a pretty, pretty hard lockdown. It wasn't quite Chicago, but it was, we were pretty, yeah. yeah, we were pretty tight on it. Um, but our, our governor, I think has looked at the numbers and went, how much longer can small business economy, deal with what we're doing right so i i think it's a smart move for him and they're being pretty pretty cautious about it still you know the 50 percent um i want to say restaurants when they first were allowed to do dine in it was like 25 percent. so it was almost nobody at most restaurants geez yeah i mean that <laughs> that's nothing right but it was enough they can't, that, they can't even make their rent paid those uh restaurants for their facilities right and that that's i think the big thing is you know so many small businesses especially like your your big franchises and stuff are probably going to be okay steak and shake yeah. chick-fil-a like those guys are going to be all right mcdonald's Burger right. King, all that shit yeah right. but your your little mom and pop shops and and stuff mm-hmm. they're hurting so um, oh yeah totally I, th- I think it was a smart move but again you know it's like we were saying uh before this you know before we started recording um you know it's COVID is definitely a serious thing. It's yeah. definitely real. It's definitely serious. But <laughs> the media has has ran with it as hard as they can to totally to and make it political it's, and it's become an identity politics. It's become an identity politics issue. They put they politicize something that's killing uh, thousands of people, which is really really sad because it's almost like now now they're associating certain you know I. Um, idea groups of certain political ideology groups with either you're a stay at home or you're a, I want complete uh, freedom. And, you know, it's, it's forced people to like be, be put in those boxes, which, and you know, most people don't feel that way completely one way or the other. I think people are still bummed, but like you, you can be bummed and still not want to get sick and stuff, right. which, you know, <laughs> right now I feel like those boxes aren't letting a lot of people do that, but, and it also doesn't leave room for like, like I said, like rural Wyoming, is then not the same scenario as Indianapolis or Chicago or um, like in those big cities like, you know, L.A. or New York. It's not it's not the same scenario, which is actually one thing that I've liked about this is it's been left up a lot to state legislation. Because, yeah. again, you, we, you can't treat the most densely populated pocket of New York City like it's rural Wyoming or Utah or Arizona or something where, you know, or like New Mexico, where there's such few such fewer people that it um you know we you, you can't pretend like those are the same thing like, mm-hmm. obviously there's gonna be different restrictions on those so yeah which is why i i think living up to the i think leaving it to state legislation was a good move for yeah. sure yeah i i agree i mean i think it's one of those like you said it are the people of north dakota gonna be the same as the people of florida no you know like exactly different population different type of people like there's so totally. much variance in it and to be fair, we don't know enough about the damn virus in the first place to know. Of course, is it going to thrive better in those types of environment? You know what environment it, it yes. prefers. 
Um, exactly. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. It's crazy too. I was talking to, hmm, I don't remember uh, a band called All In Moment. I think is who I was talking to. Okay. And um, we were talking about this, you know, being just one of those events. Like I grew up, I was in high school freshman year, I believe it was um, when nine eleven happened. That's oh, now shit, being, I was too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that's being taught in schools now, you know, like, so I was yeah, alive right. for something that's in a history book. And now people are alive for something that's going to be taught in history classes. It's going to be in, in medical programs and stuff right. like that, because not just us, I think the world was vastly underprepared for something on this scale. Oh yeah. No, totally. Um, there've been books written for like decades about a global pandemic that would occur and it was, I guess, taken without any kind of warning or precaution, or at least any planning. It was some bad planning, no pun intended. Right. <laughs> but um, uh, but like, for some of my age, it's whack because, well, I, you know, no, no, fuck it. For somebody who's alive right now, who was also alive during 9-11, it's like even before that, there was like, there was Columbine, and there was a whole new, oh, yeah. whole new culture of, you know, uh, un- unfortunately and so tragically, school shootings. And growing up with that kind of nonsense and craziness and then like the craziness of covid and then you know the 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 chaos of these presidencies that are so polarizing and making people hate each other and poor leadership along along with that and it's it's like it's such chaotic times to grow up in and it feels like we're special to be living in this time even though it's not for a good reason but it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy yeah i mean like i said it it's one of those things like this is going to be in history books. So like when your oh, totally. kids start going through school, you're going to be like, well, I remember that. That's, that's I bullshit how they're teaching shit. you, you know? Um, I remember when they shot that gorilla and yeah. they sent the world downwards. Everything, everything's been terrible since. Um, yeah, literally, I was just talking about that. We're like, this is, this brought on all the shitty presidencies and all that yeah. nonsense. And so it, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I was talking to a friend of mine um, and she's a little bit younger than me. Um, girl that I work with and I brought up brought up Columbine and you know 9-11 and she's like yeah we read about both those in history and I'm like fuck how old am I like right <laughs> this is bullshit we we, we um talk about 9-11 uh I, I, I guess like in my field it's pretty relevant because of how many firefighters right. died and you know people were first responding and they're running in everyone else is running out so I mean we talk about 9-11 a fair amount um because it, you know it needs to be emphasize especially in a place like where we live like chicago because you know it's also there's such a big density population again that it could be a hub for uh, you know if someone wanted to do some damage to our country with a terrorist incident that'd be a good place to do it kind of thing you know yeah for sure not that we want that to happen at all but no never Uh, never please don't if you're watching this please don't but but if you were making a list you know like chicago's probably pretty high on on a list Mm -hmm. of potential targets like the, like those big cities like Detroit, you know, Toronto, Dallas, LA, New York, San Diego, San Francisco. The list goes on and on. Miami, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it. it's crazy. Um, it is crazy. So let's let's jump into the music uh, a little bit for now. Um, talk about bad planning. Tell them a little bit about who you are uh, as for a band sure. and you know, kind of the sound that you're going for. So on a much much lighter note, bad planning <laughs> is. Um, Bad planning is my band. Uh, well, I mean, I say my band, but it's me, my it's it's, it's me, and my friends. I just started it. I started it in winter 2014. I was 14, 
and it was just me and the drummer, the old drummer, I guess first drummer Cooper and I just jamming, wrote some wrote some songs that we really really liked, and just started playing. You know, couldn't get a show in forever. Started playing little local shows, and then it, there's been a couple lineup changes. And it's really just grown since then. And it was just a matter, I think I had to learn how to, like, promote it properly with, like, social media and making proper connections and making friends, which is actually the biggest blessing I've gotten out of the band is how many friends I've made. Um, just other bands and my own bandmates, obviously. Um, it really brought a lot of people together. And, yeah, it's just, it's it's grown since then. Our, I, think our, I think our thing, like, I guess sound-wise and band-wise, is we're, we're going... We really love, like, the modern pop-punk kind of stuff. Story So Far, Wonder Years, like, that kind of stuff. You know, love that, and we've loved it for years. But equally as much, I think we're just as influenced and also as fond, you know, are just as fond of, like, punk rock. So we love, like, the Alkaline Trios and direct hits of the world, you know, Lawrence Arms, that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of bands that kind of live in both those worlds. Mm -hmm. And those are the bands that we want to emulate, like bands like Such Gold, uh, bands like Dagger Mouth, you know, bands that kind of dwell, like even like New Found Glory, they have some like hardcore cred, but they're yeah. pop punk, you know. It's that kind of idea where it's like, we, we love bands that dwell in multiple scenes because that's kind of where we see ourselves. I mean, we play with pop punk bands, you know, easy core, melodic hardcore bands, punk rock, emo, you know, like uh, that Midwest emo screamo stuff. Yeah. We play with all we play with bands from all over the all over the board, and we want to keep it that way because that's how our that's how our idols did it, and that's how we see it. You know, needing to be done right. But I think that's the thing. So, like, I've been doing music journalism for fifteen, sixteen years now, mm -hmm. and um, you know, when I first started doing it, it was everybody, every publication out there. And I think a lot of them still try to, but like, even I was guilty of putting everybody in a box, you know, sure. if, if this Naturally, band right? is this, yeah, you are an emo band, period. Yep. Mayday Parade, you're emo. Sure. Uh, all time low, you're pop punk, like everybody fit right. in this little box. But I think as times progressed, one thing that I try to do, I try less about putting people in those boxes now because everybody's got such diverse influences and sounds totally. now and you you pull from silverstein and newfound glory yes. and all these other guys and it's like but you're not really any of them anymore so now what's totally. this new thing called totally um, and so that's yeah like, that's like your favorite thing yeah and i i think that's i think it's been huge for the music industry because it's also forced whether they maybe realized it or not as bands get popular as as young bands get popular it's kind of forcing some of these old cats that are still in the scene to, to reevaluate their sound a little bit. You know, totally. Newfound Glory's new album is much different than old Newfound Glory. Oh, yes. Yes, um, it is. Same with Silverstein's newest album. You know, they've been around 20 fucking years. This mm -hmm. new album is not like anything that they've really ever released. So I think it's, yeah, it's been huge for the music scene for people like you guys to come through and kind of pull from all these different aspects and go, this is what we are. What can you do? You know? Oh, dude. I mean, I mean, thank you. That that's like the biggest compliment I feel like I could get out of this band because, um, especially when I first started playing music, it was like, we listen to pop punk or we listen to hardcore. And I was like, I would be the kid going to see like those local, well, at the time, like a local show that would have like, 
Belmont or like mishandled just you know other you know friends of ours that we play, played with and have you know spent time with before wearing like a minor threat shirt and that made me feel weird right but that was me i was wearing like black flag merch going to see like four years stronger the story so far and i definitely felt like the odd one out but then uh the there's a lot of integration even on like the bigger scale great example strike anywhere just signed to uh pure noise records mm-hmm. so pure noise is just historically known as well, at least to me, because of my experience, the people who like love all those bands is, you know, the story so far label and the four year strong label and the citizen label and the handguns label. Now it's the Spanish love songs and strike anywhere label. Right. So it's like, even, even these bigger, I, I don't mean, I don't mean to say like corporate, but I guess, I guess corporate, um, mindset people are realizing like we need to diversify and, if anything, the integration of more diversity sounding bands like Strike Anywhere or Spanish Love Songs or Mass Intruder to a label like Pure Noise is really cool because now it's not like Pure Noise is not a pop punk label. Now it's just like a punk label. Right. And we have hardcore bands. Even like bands like Knocked Loose being on Pure Noise is really cool. Yeah. You know? But um, I actually just got a, a release uh, late last week, I think it was. Um, the Pretty Reckless just signed with Fearless Records. Like, they oh, don't, oh, the band pretty reckless. Yeah, they don't, they don't awesome. fit Fearless's traditional, uh, you know, kind of mold. And it's it's cool, Another, like you're saying, you know, that now record labels are able to branch out more and more and not yep. be locked in those boxes of totally uh, hopeless records. You're a pop punk totally. record label, period. Right. Um, hopeless has, um, uh, I mean, they have everything. I mean, they're they're fairly diverse. I yeah. think the fact that they have a band like Sum Forty One and the Wonder Years is pretty cool. Yeah, those to me, pop punk, whatever. They don't sound anything alike. Right. In the, you know what I mean? So I um, think it's a. I, I, I think Hopeless is pretty great. Yeah, Epitaph is really good about that. I think isn't um, isn't the used still on Hopeless? I'm thinking it's that. It, I'm thinking they are for the new album anyway. That 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 definitely sounds right. And if they are, that would be another like branch of like the huge diversity of hopeless for right, sure. Right. So they also sound nothing like some of the bigger bands on there, like Wonder Years, like some forty one. So yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah. So you know, kudos to you guys for for helping fuel that, you know. Um Well, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. Um so let's talk a little bit about uh some of the stuff you guys have gotten to do here recently. Um, you know, scrolling through your Facebook and and stuff like that. Um you guys have gotten to to be on some pretty cool little playlists, do some acoustic stuff. Um talk yeah. about a little bit of that stuff. I mean, like lately, so we had to drop some really really dope shows which I'll get into. But lately, it's, we've been doing a lot of streams. I pretty much took it upon myself because I was kind of going crazy, um, having yeah. canceled some of like the shows that I was looking forward to the most. Um, so I was going kind of nuts and just like I must have booked like five or six just like acoustic uh, live streams within like a few days because I was <laughs> going so nuts. And um, you know, we got we got on some playlists. We got a pretty like a biggerish kind of playlist somewhat recently that was just um helping you know it really just helped get our stuff out too i, it, I think it was like an international one because we had a lot of like other countries listening to stuff according to what i saw on our yeah. like um spotify information which just shows younger bands submit to every playlist even if it's like a whatever playlist just do it yeah just do it just try it if it doesn't cost you anything and you you know just do it who cares just try but um yeah 
we uh, we've been on some playlists lately that have been helping out a lot, doing a lot of live streams. The the shows we had to cancel were heartbreaking because <laughs> we're very very lucky to be able to say this just as a local band that we have legitimately played with some of our favorite bands. Right, like Direct Hit that show last year that was unbelievable. Uh, playing with bands like Handguns. Um, playing with bands like Abandoned by Bears or We Were Sharks or, you know, all those, like, we play with a million and one victory bands and some Pure Noise bands and uh, Fat Records bands. And that's, like, the biggest blessing ever. Some of those bands are, like, some of our favorite, and not many local bands can say that. But anyway, <laughs> one of the one of the um, shows we had to cancel was my show was I, that I put on, which was 913 Fest. Uh, and we had we had a locked and cocked man. It, it, it was gonna be awesome. Uh, such golden home safe and um, high wire, lights over Bridgeport, ourselves, um, magnifiers, no, normalcy, uh, freedom paradox. We were all like ready to go. We had that festival locked and ready to go, and COVID killed it. And then we had another show, which was another example of like, oh my god, we're playing with you know some of our favorite bands again. It was Acoustic Alistair, which like pff, bucket list. Yeah. Um, much the same, another bucket list. Um, the, a new local band called Hot Alice and ourselves. And then also got pulled due to COVID. Um, so that was like two just like punches in the face back to back. It was horrible. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, kind of on my side of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I definitely relate to that. I had lined up you know, several shows that I was going to go do photography for and, and interviews and all sorts of shit. And like, then the whispers of COVID started happening and everybody's like, well, Here's what happened. It'll, it'll be fine. You know, everything's going to be yep. okay. It's going to be fine. And then it just snowballed and it was like, well, shit, everybody's putting the brakes on everything. Like I was totally. supposed to go see Silverstein in Ohio. Like life was going to be good. And then everything and I, stopped and I'm like, fuck me, you know? Yeah. That's something I totally forgot about, actually, was, like, the shows I was going to go to that I couldn't go see. Yeah. Um, I was really looking forward to uh, Wonder Years and Spanish Love Songs with the band Free Throw, um, and that got pulled. I was also going to go to Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion, and that got pulled. Yep. And so it was, like, those were, like, a few of my favorite bands, just, like, the ones they just named there. And, yeah. you know, I couldn't see any of them, and that really sucked. I was really looking forward to going. But... I like. I mean, you can relate to this, obviously. When you were gonna like interact as part of the show, whether it was photography, like in your case, or an interview, like for you, or for me, like playing a show, it stung like ten times more. Oh, like, yeah. okay, fuck it, eat up my ticket money and whatever. I'll get it back at some point. But it's just like it's like ah, oh, I was gonna do the. I was there for the experience selfishly, kind of. Right. You know, right? Like oh, I'm gonna play with such gold this week. Fuck yeah, I can play with much the same next week. Yeah. And now it's all gone. You know. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's how it is for me. Like I've, I've shot Silverstein a few times, um, but it was, an, it, you know, it's a 20th anniversary show. It's, you know, it was going to be at Bogarts down in, uh, I have to remember if that's Cleveland or Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I think it is, uh, which is an incredible venue. Like there, it just, it had all the spots and I'm like, fuck yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um do you do you know those guys? Uh, so I've I've done um, I don't it, we're not friends by any stretch. Like sure, let's sure. let's not get that crazy. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I've I've interviewed them. So I I did Warp Tour for thirteen straight years. Um, That's awesome. Doing That's interviews cool, and dude. photography and stuff like that. that. Is so cool. Um, so you know I've 
I've met Shane a few times on Warp Tour, talked to him, um, and I had actually hit him up. We were going to do a, a podcast episode, and we're still going to do it at some point. But the plan was, dude, fuck yeah, that's yeah. So cool. So the plan was, I was going to get to the show, do photography, and have this this episode with him. Um, and he actually, you know, remembered me. We were emailing back and forth about everything, getting it oh, all planned. Dude. And then COVID that, happened. That is so fucking rad. Oh yeah, except COVID happened, and now I'm like. Oh. Just kick me in the dick, you know? Like, <laughs> Dude, I hope you get that back. I wouldn't be so mad if you don't get that back. No, you I, get that back. I'm sure it's just a matter of time. So I think pretty much where we're at on it is coming down to the decision of do we wait for the reschedules and try to do it there, or do he and I do a phone interview and then I get out and just do photography when the reschedules That would be happen. cool. So, just, just do this with him. Yeah. He does... Um, the, I'm obsessed with his lead singer podcast. Dude, and this it's is how he so does good, it. isn't it? It's amazing. The content is unbelievable. Yeah, I love yeah. it. And he gets some of the, the craziest people, like scrolling through his episodes. I'm like, I want to do that one. I want to do that one. I yes, want to do that one. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah. you know what? That project, the lead singer syndrome, because that's what it is. It's a project. Right. Is another it's like such a phenomenal example of like diversity of content. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude's got like in what world can you interview like you know ben barlow from neck deep and then like fat mike and then the guy from knuckle puck and then tim barry from avail and chuck reagan and milo ackerman and you know um the all-time low singer like in, yeah. in what world can you make all that a thing and it's it's his world and that is the cool i think it's the coolest thing ever yeah yeah he did um i don't know if you saw or you know heard that episode uh he went out to fearless had a pop-up and he did an interview, like a panel with um, Aaron Gillespie, Telly Smith, uh, Vic from Pierce the Veil, like all at yes, the same yeah. time. That was cool. And then just a couple weeks after that, he interviewed Lizzie Hale, like from Hailstorm. Yes, the Hailstorm. What the fuck, you know? So it's it's super cool. One day, hopefully, I'll be on that level where I can just, you know, pull out my phone and be like, hey, I need an episode. You want to talk? <laughs> It's amazing to me. He also had, um, he did a back and forth. He, well, I should say not back and forth. Uh, Mike Carrera from NXPX also has one. Yeah. And Shane was a guest on his and Mike was a guest on, um, his. And it just like occurred to me. I was like, holy shit. Like, I think Shane's probably the most famous person Mike Carrera has on that whole podcast because the rest of it is like people that I just like know. Right. Like, it's really funny. It was like Nick Woods from Direct Hit. It was like, oh yeah. Or it's like Jake Lindley from Handguns. And I was like, yeah. And it's like Shane Toll. And I was like, yeah, don't know him. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, but then like Shane Toll's podcast. I, not to say I'm sure my career has got a very great podcast and his stuff is phenomenal. But actually, I know it's phenomenal. He's got a great podcast. But I just think like Shane gets like these giant names. Like Milo Ackerman. That is crazy yeah. to me. He's interviewed him. You yeah. know? It, it's nuts. And, you know, I think it's. It's also really cool for him in I mean, yeah, it must be trippy. It well in in the time that we're in right now, like you can't tour. So at least yeah. he's got this to, to keep him busy, whereas you know, and I, you can you totally. have a day job, quote unquote, so you can speak to it to some degree, I'm sure, but you know, like canceling those shows, you oh. you kinda sit there and go, Well, what the fuck am I gonna do now? I know. I know. And you know, there's so much shit keeping me busy because I have all of the um 
I had my child coming, obviously, and I still have work, and I'm actually, you know, I just finished college, and I am changing. Well, I'm getting a, you know, a different job that pays a lot more right now, but, um, and it's kind of all at the right time. But even then, I just like shows do something for me that nothing else does. Yeah. And because that's absent right now, it, it, it stings in a way I don't really understand. Or I don't think I could understand. It's like, I guess I've just been used to playing a few shows a month since I was like 14. And that's right. like a giant chunk of my life at this point, you know? So. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same, you know, I've been going to shows as often as I can and everything. And I was talking to a buddy of mine and he's like, so well, it may have been, was it Devin from till morning? It might've been, uh, but we were talking about uh, just like, if and when concerts open up, like, are you going to be one of the first people out? And I'm like, you know, part of me wants to say no, because I don't want to, you know, right. risk it or whatever. But I really fucking miss live music, man. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just like, again, like, it just stings differently not playing those shows and stuff. And it's not even like, I mean, I, I don't depend on bad planning for any kind of like, like, you know, I don't depend on it for my income or anything. Like, it's hit a, that concept of not being able to play shows has hit other people a lot harder than myself. My yeah. my thing is just more like, I just miss it, and I love it so much, but I don't depend on it for financially. Some people do, um, and, you know, God bless them. That's amazing. I, I wish, you know, them the best of luck, and, I, you know, that breaks my heart for them. Right, right, for sure. Um but for me, it just like it just stings, I guess, because I just miss it a lot. I, I miss my friends, you know, playing with my friends and all that crap. But I don't know. It, it'll. I feel like it'll make it sweeter once it comes back for sure. Yeah, and I, I think something that people don't think about, especially when it comes to you know, quote unquote, small bands or local bands, yeah. is you know the relationship that you guys and even us as as music journalists have with some of the venue staff, you know, like I oh, see the same totally. security guards all the time. I see the same ticket people all the time. So like, I haven't seen any of those people in totally. months now. And it's like, well, you, shit, I hope they're doing okay. Yeah. Talent buyers and booking agents. Um, I miss those people too. As much as those people want to make me like tear my hair out sometimes. <laughs> um, and you know, even like, well, some staff I don't want to talk about, but you know, right. even some like uh, venue staff and stuff, and I miss them plenty all the time, you know? So, yeah, no, and it's, again, it's just, it's crazy that like something that was, Oh, it's not going to be a big deal has turned into let's fuck everything up. Yeah. So, totally. um, totally. so let's talk about the, uh, the nine one three fest a little bit. Uh, how long yeah. have you been putting that on and, and kind of what's the vibe with that? I, it's one of my, it's, um, I see it as another project. Like I, it's obviously it's not a band, but to me it's another project because it really is a whole project. And anyone who does a festival or a venue will tell you that's absolutely true. And it's one of my favorite things. Um, basically, my one of my best friends, Elliot Elliot Dombrowski, he had a um, he like opened up his house as a uh, as a music venue. It, it, it was called the Waiting Room, like a punk rock DIY spot. It was so cool. Uh, when you know we all loved it went there and played there a million times so i wanted to start doing throwing house shows so the first thing i did was i had a bad planning ep release in my house and that was may 2018 um and 
then I was like, this is so cool. So I was like, F it. I'll do like an all-day festival kind of thing. And I was like, I really thought that'd be fun. And me and Elliot actually had always talked about doing one together. And so we teamed up that summer, and we made the first 913 Fest happen. It was two days um, at my in my dad's garage. It was awesome. We had six bands both days. Some of my best friends played. All my best friends were there. Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. And then we had so much fun. We're like, we got to do it next year. So me and Elliot teamed up again, went back to my dad's garage, and we just um, – we, that was the year we like really tried to pull in. We were like, all right, if we really love this diversity of bands in Chicago, we got to pull in that diversity and get those and get all these different sounds. So we had we had post hardcore, we had emo, we had easy core, we had like some melodic hardcore kind of like skate punk stuff, uh, punk rock, um, like that new kind of emo sound with you know bands like Hearts of Gold and Telethon. Yeah. We had Bake came and played, and then Direct Hit played. And that's like one of our favorite bands, like Direct Hit. There's no getting around. That's like they're a great band, Fat Records, and they played at our house, and that was the coolest thing ever. You know, my dad yeah. cooked for all of us. It was so much fun. <laughs> so the vibe is really just, it's really just homies and the togetherness of Chicago, and bringing in multiple sounds, and just being cool. That is that's like literally the vibe, and it's also it's the other vibe is DIY, right? Because raising money ourselves. We, we don't get shipped from anybody. We buy all of our sound permits, all the guarantees for bands. Um, if we got it by catering, we got it by catering. Um, this year, we were going to do it at the 105 in Naperville. And the rental would have been, you know, that, that's all us. Right. It's, it's completely DIY. Getting in contact with the bigger bands, kind of agents and whatnot, that's all us. Again, it's all very DIY ethic. And we got that from our bigger brothers, you know, Fugazi, bands like that. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, obviously that's that's super cool. And I think that's something that, um, you know, speaks a lot to the people that want to make it in the, the music industry. Totally. Is, you know, you're not sitting back waiting for somebody to book you or whatever. It's taking that extra yes. step forward and being like, we're going to do this, you know, even, oh, oh, I, even I if it's out of a garage. <laughs> Absolutely. We had to, like, decide. So... It's, it's a daunting task, like, seeing a band play at, like, Riot Fest or Warp Tour. And we've played with a plenty of bands who have done those bigger festivals, Riot Fest, Warp Tour, you know, Taste of Chaos, all those kind of bigger festivals. But it's like playing with them when it's done through you uh, is a pretty daunting task. You know, we played with them, but other people have booked it. Right. If we want to do it ourselves and we, we want to get a name for the festival, it's like we got to pull that kind of talent in. And... Um, so it's a huge daunting task, but it's like it's more rewarding when it's like, yeah, I did this. And again, you're absolutely right to point out, like, yeah, you got to be pro pro proactive as fuck. You got to know how to write a damn email. You got to know how to like talk to people. You got to know how to make friends. You got to be cool with agents. You got to like, and you know, for example, I mean, someone once said, I was at like a party or I was at someone's house, and there's this dude, and he's like, you're the kid with the directed house show, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I'm known for now, right. apparently. <laughs> in naperville i was like yeah man he's like oh so did like one of the bigger bands book them for you and i was like no like i reached out they were totally cool they're very nice people who i like a lot and i love yeah. talking to and their agent was really cool too and she was awesome in the process and we made it happen like yeah. we did it like us you know and so that's why i think the diy aspect it makes it more ethical for me personally and also it's way more rewarding yeah 
And I think, you know, that's for people that know my background or maybe that don't know all of my background. Um, I pretty much started that way in music journalism where like, I didn't really have any site that I was specifically working for. Like I was, I was freelance and I remember, uh, one of the very first people that ever gave me a shot is, uh, Ray Roldan of Rayby, uh, PR. He does all sorts of PR and very cool. He used to run the the PR for Yellow Card, and that was oh, one of the first. Cool. Yeah, that was one of the first like events I got to go to was a Yellow Card show. Uh, fucking wet behind the ears, eighteen, nineteen year old kid, right? And he's that is like, so crazy. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So I hit him up, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I you know really big fan of Yellow Card. I'm trying to get into this thing. I don't know if you've got an opportunity or not, but if you do, I'd love to be on the list." Emails me back, and he's like, "Yeah." Here you go. This is what you need. This is what we're going to do. Um, do you have a camera? I was like, yeah. He's like, cool. You've got a photo pass. Do you have a voice recorder or something to to do sound? I was like, yeah. He goes, cool. You're going to do an interview with Ryan. And I'm like, uh, what the fuck just happened here? You know? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it was insane. Um, so, you know, again, like you're saying, though, for even on the talent buying side of things, mm-hmm. on the the journalism side, like, and again, journalism, that's a project. Those yeah. interviews, that's a project. <laughs> Photos, that's a project. Yeah. Just like a festival or a band. But yes, anyway, I'm sorry. Go no, on. no, you're fine. I was just going to say, like, even on the journalism side, like, it's all about making those connections, like what you were saying. Like, totally. I've got a couple PR teams that I work with that are some of the greatest people that I know and will bend over backwards to help me out because for, you know, 14, 15 years now, we've been going back and forth producing content together. So it's, it's all about, you know, making, you know, if you've got the drive to do it, taking that first step and going, I'm going to make a connection here. And it may not work out the first time that I make that connection. I can tell you, I can tell you some (laughs) stories about that, but yeah, totally. And I've been there. I've reached out for, for some big name artists and I'm like, I don't have a chance in hell. I know I don't. But sure. yeah, they're going to see my try. name. Right. And and that it actually happened for me with a different uh, PR team. I had reached out. Um, it was actually back when Demi Lovato was on, I want to say Warner um, or Sony. I forget now. But I had reached out to this PR person before, not in regards to, to her. And, you know, just got denied and nothing, nothing bad. They're just like, you know, your name's not big enough yet, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, I can respect that, you know? Yeah, it, it's a fair thing. You right. Know, you try. right. Especially when it's a big band, like sure. they're, they're looking for specific things. And I, I took a shot in the dark. Uh, Demi Lovato was coming to Indianapolis and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I have to try again. And I hit up this PR lady and I was like, hey, I know I couldn't work with you on that last project, but this is what I'd like to do. And she's like, yeah, you're in. I got you. Okay, let's do this. You know, <laughs> that is so damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. for that moment, you and Demi Lovato are peers, right? No matter what, <laughs> for that moment, when you're, when you're doing your project and it's involving her, your peers. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that is so cool that, that a lot of people don't think about either. And you can speak to this being in a band and doing the, the talent buying to some extent. Um, you know, musicians are just people, right? Totally. Like, I'm just, just going to say this. It, it, it's yeah. exactly what it is. People all the time hit me up and they're like, you know, I can't believe you got to talk to so-and-so or like, 
how do you not do the fanboy thing when you talk to these people? And I'm like, they're, they're people. They're man. dudes. They're, they're just fucking people. Totally. I love that. No, I'm sorry. I was about, I was about to say that actually. Um, cause but by, by the same token, if you're the kid with the directed house show, they could say, you're the guy who got to talk to Demi Lovato, mm-hmm. but that, but th- th- that's dumb. It's I'm a dude and my project brought me to that and I worked for it. And you know, <laughs> Lovato was probably a very, very cool, just like nice person. Yeah, and, she's, and that's exactly all she is. You know, she's just a person. All these people that people hold, hold to such a high regard, uh, and I think I think that's pretty shitty. Actually, I think it's kind of toxic. I think people need to, need to humanize other people more, in, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, was, <clears throat> I was talking to um, Chad Moses from To Write Love on Our Arms. He does their community outreach oh, cool. and, and growth yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. And we were talking about mental health and everything, and um, we brought up Chester Bennington, you know, and he goes, the only difference between Chester and anybody else is a comma and some zeros in his bank account. Sure. He is a a human being, and the fact that people assume that because he's a celebrity that he can't have have depression, he can't go through this stuff, and that's just not not true, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a a fantastic... example um and that you know it definitely it trickles down to local bands too not in or not local bands but smaller bands too right. not in nearly the same way because even you know no one's gonna say that they'll compare their career to chester beddington unless they're in a giant band you know no one that i know i guess right. or, or <laughs> maybe even that you know but him in the bottom sure right but um <laughs> but like yeah uh even like these bands that are even if they're like that you know kind of middle of the road they're not giant but they're not small they're making a living and stuff they need to be humanized more too i mean i i oh i I gotta get off twitter i hate that damn app i mean like i'm on there to do bad planning stuff and talk about my um life and kind of put like the highlights and then you know the nice positive things people are just and it's not just a twitter thing I, I, i guess it's more so in general the way people talk about um musicians or people who are in the spotlight the way people communicate about these individuals is like as if these people just are supposed to be perfect mm-hmm. and they don't have feelings and it's like yo that's like like your buddy who like maybe freaked out at you or your friend like who you were like yeah that was pretty reasonable their actions weren't reasonable but they apologize like it's all the same shit it's still a person right you yeah, know and that, that's uh christian mccauley of um Anne berlin has a new project called Iron Talk. Okay. I think it's, is that the right name? I think it is. Anyway, um, he and I had been doing an interview and uh, we talked about that. You know, the toxicity of social media nowadays, it, it's insane. And he goes, the, the way that he deals with it is he looks at their, their, you know, screen name or whatever. And he goes, you know what? If that person saw me on the street, they wouldn't have the balls to say it to my face. So I don't care. Oh, never. Absolutely. Yeah, of of course. Yeah. So, and I think that's what people need to to really remember as well is, like you yeah. said, there, there's a person on the other side of the, the screen. Of course. And, of, you know, I also get, like, there's obviously exceptions. There's people who are complete shitbags right. who are in the spotlight and will use that to um, give their shitbag opinions and all that nonsense and, and be assholes and shit. But I think that the common man musician, um, the, or I guess not common man, um, a musician who's like maybe not the most famous, but like certainly in the spotlight, uh, who the, is being talked about in certain ways, it just kind of blows my mind. 
that yeah. people will talk about a certain thing as if like they just were like there and uh, you know you know what i mean yeah like i heard he's an asshole because he shoot away a fan or some shit like that like maybe he's having a shit day i've shoot away people who i don't want to talk to before in a totally different context but it's the same fucking thing or something like that you know what yeah. i mean like, and I've I've got a, a warp tour story. Uh, I won't throw the the artist under the bus on the episode. I'll tell you who it was. No, I'll tell you who it was after the episode. But sure. um, it, and it's nothing negative against this guy. It's someone from a pretty popular band. Um, the Indianapolis date of warp tour was always like the fucking hottest day of the year, man. For sure. And it's humid as shit. Like it's humid up in Chicago. You know how that gets. Like. Late July, early August weather is just bullshit. And they had just performed, just got off stage, and that's when his press slot was booked. So he comes back to the the press tent. He's drenched in fucking sweat because he just got off stage. It's a 1,000 degrees. Yeah. And he's starting to do this interview, and this random photographer that I don't know if they were associated with the person that was doing the interview or not, but, like, just walks up, starts taking photos of him and shit, and he's like, okay, time out. Like, can you not do that right now? Like, I'm not, I'm not a pretty boy by any means, right. but I just got off stage. Like, I look like shit. None of these I images... He probably feels like shit a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's like, none of these images are going to look good. Like, can we just not? And it, it goes back to that whole, like, you know, there are times, and th- this dude I've interviewed, he's an amazing person. <laughs> Sure. He's not normally like that, but you catch somebody at the right time, everybody's going to have that moment of let's just stop, you know, we're people. Um, Yeah. And it goes back to the humanization, like you were saying, because in that photographer's mind, maybe it was one of those, well, he's a musician. He's used to this. He'll be cool to me no matter what. Yeah. He he can't, he can't like, you know, like get, now that I'm sure this guy wasn't an asshole to the photographer. No, No, I mean, he didn't throw punches or anything by any means. Right. Right. Yeah. Didn't didn't Marilyn Manson try to kick a camera out of his hand? No, or I didn't kick a camera. <laughs> or I don't know what I don't know what else I've seen. I'm trying to think of like an example where someone like freaked out. I uh, Guar had a fan or there, something like that. Guar doesn't. They don't do it Guar? as a pissed off thing. Yeah, Guar does. Yeah. Um, they have their blood and and pissed super soakers, and they'll sure. they'll shoot them at photographers sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But oh, that, yeah, yeah, that's like the thing though. I feel like I mean that's comedy, right? Well, and that, that's the thing is like you know that that's coming, you can prepare. Right. So, but right. no, there, I mean, there've been instances like you see it all the time um, where, like you said, different musicians or celebrities in general that are like, Oh, this person was an asshole. You know, they, they wouldn't sign this for my kid, but that's probably the 14,000th thing that's been in front of their face today. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's you like, didn't approach yo, him like a person. You probably just walked up with a pen and a, a CD and went, Hey, sign this. Sure. No, no like say hi do something right all those same anxieties that um you have they have and all that kind of stuff all the way up you know something as you know something as dumb as like oh man like the weather sucks all the way down to like i'm having money troubles i'm having severe anxiety you know depression real mental health issues or things that cause insurmountable amounts of stress they still experience that whole wide range of all of that. And so, yes, humanize these people. They need to like, they need to be, you know, humanized. They, you know, it's not normal to always be happy and cheery and want to talk to a hundred million people all the time, you know? So. Right. Well, that, I think, you know, perfect example of that would be, um, look at like 
Demi Lovato or Ariana Grande. You know, like, like she's just like so famous. I just, I, ugh, I could never. Right, right. But, I'm a people person, but I couldn't. You right, know? And, and like when people get upset with anybody that any any stature that takes a social media break, it's mm-hmm. like, why are you upset? They're totally. doing this to literally save their lives at this point, you know, like yeah. mentally they have to get away. Sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Or even like, I think, uh, like, I mean, every time I see like a freak out video from like Billy Joe, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that guy must be under tons of stress. I mean, he's got like three or four kids. Like he's probably got a big ass mortgage and a bunch of car payments and, you know, you're putting him next to Justin Bieber. He's going to smash his shit and get mad, you know, like, uh, so people got really mad at him for that. And he did like apologize to me. He did that iHeartRadio freak yeah. out, but it's just like, I might kind of flip out too a little bit if I had all that shit on my shoulders. And, and they were like, we have one more minute kind of thing, you know? But yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is, you know, games. like you've, you've done some, uh, show promotion and, and things like that. Like sometimes things just don't go right. You know, like right. Green Day is not touring in a van anymore by any means, but, you know, touring in a van and you blow a tire out on the highway on the way to the show, oh, things yeah. like that oh. happen. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm yeah. in a bit of a shitty mood when I first show up to the venue. Because... Especially when you're in a shitty vehicle and shitty weather. <laughs> right. And you guys are all like at each other's throats, you know. Yeah. yeah definitely, yeah. definitely been there. Yeah. It was, uh one of Indianapolis's latest claims to fame uh, before COVID was um, Hot Mulligan played a show down in Indy, and that night their fucking trailer got broke into and instruments stolen. So like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was like all over Twitter and shit. Yeah, yeah their, their shit got stolen. Yeah, so like you know, shit like that happens. So do you think they were in a, the best of moods the next day? No. Of course not. Right. <laughs> I had thousands of dollars stolen from me. So, um. Yeah I, yeah, I think you're you're spot on. I know we went on a, a weird tangent, but like the humanization sure. of of people and and whatnot, especially in the music industry, I think is huge um, yeah. for the mental health. You know, totally, totally. Um, so let's talk about some of the stuff you've got going on uh, that you've got booked up for the next you know couple weeks, months, whatever. Um, I know you've you've done a lot of planning on some stuff. Yeah. Um. As as of right now, I can't. We have like some very soft ideas about when we can reschedule um, some some of the shows that we were really excited about, which really was all of them. Uh, like nine thirteen fest, we're I, we're working out the kinks right now on getting that rescheduled. We'll, we'll be in contact with agents and stuff pretty soon, but show wise, we have nothing right now, unfortunately. Like. We're, you know, we're not a big enough band to where it's like we could just reschedule all these dates. And, right. Um, I, I guess, like, you know, make sure that everything's being taken care of just because it's so, I guess, like, like fragile right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we, we don't actually have any hard dates to get shows back. But rest assured, um, there will be a 913 Fest. I can promise you that. Uh, there will be dope bands on it. We will play with such gold. I don't care what anyone says. We've tried twice. It didn't work out either time. So nobody's fault at all. But it will happen. Such gold. Ugh. Well, it, it's going to happen. Um, that's what I keep saying to people. They're like, is it actually ever going to happen with such gold at 19 Fest? I'm like, yes. 
It will. <laughs> um, Just got to give it time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third time's the charm. So it'll, it'll happen. Like, all that stuff, it'll come in time. I'm not worried about it. It'll come back. I got way bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. As, you know, seeing as I'm in my soon-to-be daughter's nursery currently right. and you know that's my big focus right now is my job and um making sure my fiance is taken care of and my child too so yeah yeah absolutely um so what can fans expect out of like maybe some new music some re-recordings anything like that so uh the re-recording thing is funny you mentioned that so i mean obviously we're you know we still talk me and the guys we're we're best friends so we're you know we're, we still chat um we had in mind to do a co- like a collection release kind of thing um, of a lot of old songs that were recorded with completely shit quality. <laughs> I mean, because they were so, they were such you know they were songs we were really proud of and we liked a lot, or else we wouldn't have written them, obviously. Um, so we had we had the idea for a while. We were kind of bouncing it back and forth with re-recording those songs with better quality. So we will probably end up doing something like that. We also have new new songs uh we're gonna hone in on them once we can get back to rehearsing in a space where we all feel comfortable and like we're not gonna get sick yeah um we'll we'll be back to it writing um but i will say this we uh for people who are listening to this who are bad planning fans we do have new material it, it, it will be coming out in the not too far future hopefully so sweet sweet um what does the recorder or not the recording but the writing process look like for you guys is it are you i always find this interesting are you one of the um i'm gonna write lyrics and a song first and then we're putting music to it or is it music first i'll write over it you know what i mean like what's kind of your process there so um i've i've always pretty much written everything for bad planning with the exception of like I don't have a great mind for drum parts. I have a mind that's pretty basic, as seeing as I don't play drums. Like, I mean, I obviously I have a conception of beats and that kind of stuff, but um, as far as like fills or making something like go to like the next like the next level, make it super dope. Um, that's something that I always leave to our drummer Miles. I mean, he just kills it. Like, he'll hear something in a way that I just can't really comprehend. He he just kills it. So that's all him but for the most part for as long as bad planning has been around i've written pretty much everything guitar parts um bass and you know the lyrics so for me at at any given moment i might have like a really cool riff idea and a really cool um like melody or something like that right and like or, or chord progression you know, at any given moment, I might have like three or four just cool ideas just from doodling all the time on guitar and playing. By the same token, at any given moment, I also might have like three or four really cool like lyric ideas that I can put together. And then, you know, if I'm just humming along to something that I've written and I'm really focusing on it, I can usually match up um, lyrics to like just guitar parts that I write. And that's pretty much how all the songs start. So I'm not really like a music's done first, now lyrics kind of guy. And I'm not really like a lyrics are done, let's put music to it kind of guy. Yeah. It's really both and neither. Right, right. But I think that's kind of a a cool um, difference. You know, it, it goes back to pulling from all those different sources of, of inspiration. Because yeah. like sometimes I'll talk to a band and they're like, oh, no, we absolutely, you know, the lyrics are basically done and then we write music or vice versa. And it's like, Okay, but how do you know then what the overall album is going to sound like or, you know, 
what happens if you are dicking around with the guitar and you're like, oh, that's a really, really sweet riff. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a song that that fits in. Like, shit, what do we do? You know? Yeah, the, um, that's, that's a great point. Like, the, that's kind of the thing about bad planning is like, so some, some of my favorite bands are bands that are just like amazing songwriters. And there might not be something like too special about the music. Not that the music isn't special, but like, you're listening to it for the message and the lyrics and that kind of stuff. There's bands like Jawbreaker, Alkaline Trio, The Descendants, um, bands like that that have this like insane, like, you know, bands like Lifetime that have insane songwriting capabilities that are awesome. And you listen to it for that. But I also love bands that just fucking go hard and riff <laughs> right. and go crazy with music. Like bands like A Wilhelm Scream and Propagandi and uh, like, you know, Such Gold, a great example. Bands that just riff and are just fucking gnarly and hard. Um, and that's my appeal. You know, Gallows, another good example. Every Time I Die, Comeback Kid, This Is Hell. Those are all bands that, you know, I might listen to it just because I think it sounds dope. And then you kind of mix up those two things. Um, and the, the, the product is, you know, I like songs that riff hard and go crazy that have great songwriting and lyrics that we can be proud of and really share something that is maybe like a shared experience or a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, where, where successful bands are kind of, um, in a weird spot, I guess is, is what I want to say. So like. You know, obviously, like your major, major bands, there's a lot of times where they're not the ones that wrote the actual song. They're yep. just performing it. Totally. And I, I think you lose a lot of the connection to what that song should mean. It's so funny. Like Demi Lovato writes bad planning songs. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like, you know, just thinking, and I'm a big all-time low fan, but if yeah. you actually look at the liner notes, they're not the only ones in on that writing process a lot of times. Oh, yeah, no. And sometimes it, it feels like, not just them, but in general with music, like, cool, I get what that song message is, but I don't feel like you're the one that went through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You lose that little bit yeah. of emotion there. So, And, and that's why I love, like, super uh, confessional bands, and that goes back to the um, idea of, like, really strong songwriting, you know, um, no one's writing songs for the Get Up Kids or right. Bayside, you know, because those songs are like, like maybe they're kind of dumb and simple, but they have but like there's just so much message and meaning behind it. I'm trying to think of like other really good examples, even like Blink One Eighty Two. There's anything like really crazy or special about the music, right. in my opinion. Like it's pretty simple, very straightforward stuff, but you know, it's got a lot of meaning. That like you know. Uh, plenty of i mean there's just there's countless bands like that that yeah, have and, that concept. and i think uh bayside's a, a perfect example of what you just said there's a, a line that i've always just anthony wrote it and it, it hooked me from day one that's um i'm the voice of the depressed and i guess that's what everybody expects you know like oh yes it, it's bayside i know what they're going to be singing about i know it's going to be sad shit yes sir but <laughs> it still has me every time yeah so absolutely the yeah. movie life another great example yeah. i thought of yep yeah absolutely um so, yeah yeah so i think that's just about everything i've got for you uh what i've been doing to to people uh here at the end of of each episode i'm trying to 
come up with uh, just ridiculous little questions and and such, and you know, leave on kind of a fun note. I love um, this shit. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. So um, I've asked things like, you know, if if you could trade in your parents and have celebrity parents, who would they be? And, um, you know, shit like that. Uh, I think for yours, let's go with, I'm actually going to give you two questions. Please, Um, yeah. So the first one's a little more serious. The first one's going to be, uh, if you got to, and you do with 913 Fest, but let's say it's, any Chicago band. I'm talking all the way up to Fallout Boy. Okay. Who are the five bands you're putting on on the festival with you? Oh, five Chicago bands? Yeah, five Chicago oh, bands. Oh, you, you you made my day with this question. Okay. The five Chicago bands, and this is ex- like excluding bad planning, obviously, right? That you would be the sixth band on the card. Okay. <laughs> we'll easy. let you open for them. <laughs> so, oh, geez. I, I, this would be a dream come true if this was real. So... <laughs> There's like three very obvious ones, and then there's a couple where I don't know what to do. The three very obvious ones, Alkaline Trio, Rise Against, Lawrence Arms, boom, no question, no doubt about it right there. The next two is a tie between like 20 bands. I don't even, <laughs> oh, it's so hard. But that's like such a fun question. Um, God, Alkaline Trio, Lawrence Arms, Rise Against... Oh, fuck. Because there's, like, all those facets, right? There's, like, the yeah. slapstick family tree, and there's the fucking, like, the skate punk Chicago scene with, like, the Bully Bulls and Idiot Fingers Louie. Oh, it's so hard. And even, like, Chicago bands, we're like, Chance the Rapper is Chicago, <laughs> right? so I mean... Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man, I don't know. Alkaline Trio, Lawrence Arms, Rise Against... Fuck it, Chance the Rapper <laughs> and the Smoking Popes. Solid, solid. Did yeah. you see the Smoking that, Popes oh, coming that, in there? That, that, like, hurts, though. There's so many I want to say. Yeah, and... But and, Chance the Rapper just because there'd be, like, so many people seeing my band, I guess. Right, you know? right. And isn't that the crazy thing, like, with Chicago specifically? Like, all oh, the yeah. major cities have some of that sort of stuff going on. But, we got like, everything. Chicago, literally, like, you guys have had everything from some of the the best rappers to some yes. of the, the hardest rock, you know, like you Absolutely. guys cover the gamut. Of we course. have the best, we have like one of the best punk scenes ever. Like, mo- and I'm sorry, like most influential ever. I mean, it only thing that gets close really to me with how many bands there are is like, that is like New Jersey slash New York. We'll throw yeah. that in there as one. And like LA. Yeah. Cause nothing, nothing else gets close. No. You know, even like San Diego can claim blank, but the amount of bands out of San Diego is still a ton, but it's not Chicago. But I and, mean, and the have... amounts that have been elevated to that level, you know, like exactly. Chicago's I mean, elevated so many bands. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, especially recently, like there's all those bigger, like modern pop punk bands. Yeah. Belmont is popping off and... Um, uh, you know, even like Real Friends and Uncle Puck, those are like bigger bands. That's in Chicago. That's the past ten years. Yeah. Not to mention we have, you know, we have Lawrence Arms and Smoking Popes, and we, you know, Alkaline Trio. That's us. And Rise Against is us. And Bully Bulls, Eight Eight Fingers, Louie. That's all us. And then I'm forgetting a million more right now. Okay. Pet Boys, Blue Meanies, Slapstick, uh, and all the bands that came out of Slapstick, The Falcon. Like that's all us. That's all us. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so 
for question number two, the the ridiculous question, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do if you could if you could be an actor in any of the Marvel cinematic movies, Ooh. who would you replace? Like what what character are you gonna be? Any any Marvel movie? Any Marvel movie. Damn. I think it would be pretty great to be <sighs> Toby uh I think it would be pretty great to be Toby Maguire Spider Man in the first movie. That's I think that would one. be pretty great. Yeah. Because you don't want to be I, the I emo. <laughs> you don't want to be goth <laughs> Spider Man. I, I see I feel <laughs> like I feel like his energy just in that so the answer is yes. And I feel I feel that energy in the first film because he's kind of like he, he's like I it's kind of cliche but like he's misunderstood and he's kind of fucked up and yeah. he's had a really like fucking rough bunch of years and I I kind of relate to that I kind of love it and to me Spider Man is like super punk rock you know yeah. like this kid who's just like it's basically you know it's it's like that like hero's journey kind of story where it's like he's he's fucked up he's got a he's got a pretty gnarly very tragic kind of past but it's like he fucking just rules the world with this with this discovery of of himself and the superpower obviously helps and you know fighting crime and stuff so i think being having like finding that discovery within yourself and realizing that like oh i went from you know you know skateboarding skinny kid to like i can beat everybody's ass and now and now i'm but i'm gonna use that power to be good and and be charitable with my uh gifts that's pretty wonderful thing i think i'd like to be a part of it and be all about it yeah solid man i always tell people uh i feel like i would want to be and it's mainly because of who plays them but i think i would take over for ant-man because i like to believe that i could be a smart ass (laughs) Hell yeah. Just like Paul Rudd. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, That'd be fun. Yeah. I didn't think about that. But that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So not that, to mention that that uh Spider-Man soundtrack is pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, at least on that film. I know it's got Dashboard Confessional. I love Dashboard Confessional. It's got Dashboard See? and if I'm, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, on that first one, is it on the first one or the second out? Yellow Card had a song that was written specifically yes, for it too. Yes, Yellow Card. I, I think I think that's the same first film. I think I think it is. It was uh, Gifts and Curses. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah. See, the soundtrack is just fucking kicking. Yeah, solid. So yeah. Uh, I think that's everything I've got for you, man. Um, so what I'm going to let you do here for the last you know couple minutes or however long it takes you. Uh, obviously, first off, congratulations on the kid. Oh, um, thank you, man. Yeah, here. I mean, I'm I'm looking at this is the uh, my little. Nice. Nursery nice. Uh, crib right here. So, yeah, yeah. Very, uh, very, very excited. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, hope everything goes well with that, um, you know, tomorrow and everything. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to let you plug anything you want to plug. I know we don't have some hard dates yet, but, you know. Sure. Anything you want to plug, I'll make sure I, I tag all your socials and everything in the of episode course. as well. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I mean, I'm to all, you know, to the fans and, and you know, friends, um, I miss you guys all more than I can even say, you know, I got all this great blessings going on. I really, I'm so blessed. I got my daughter coming. I got my beautiful fiance, um, you know, and we're all right right now, but we, we, we miss you guys. And from the band perspective, we miss you guys even, even more than we ever had before. Um, we can't wait to get back out there and playing first and foremost. Second of all, uh, dates, we'll be getting more back as soon as we're allowed. 
Um, I think Mayor Lightfoot's doing a phenomenal job. Um, so as soon as safely possible, we will get back to playing shows. Um, will we? Nine one three fest will happen. I promise you guys that. <laughs> um, and yeah, as soon as we're back at it, guys, thank you so much for all the support you've been giving us. I mean, still listening to the music and. You know, we're getting messages from you guys, and it's just, it's this most sweet thing ever. And it's so humbling and beautiful. And I mean, myself personally, I, I know my guys, um, we're all super thankful. So thank you. We love you. We miss you. We will be back soon. More shows and new music. Awesome, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I know we've said that back and forth a few times now, but, you know, it, definitely anytime I can help support, uh, you know, up and coming bands and, so much, and all that it was as so well. so much fun. Yeah. Such absolutely. a pleasure. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Alex from the band Bad Planning. Um, first off, again, thank you to Alex for reaching out and you know hitting me up about an opportunity to do the the podcast. Um, had a great time talking with him. Uh, also, congratulations on the kid. So that's super exciting. Hopefully, um, you know, parenthood will come easy for him. It comes easy for no one. Let's be honest, but. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it was a long conversation, but Alex and I just kind of, uh, got off on tangents and, and had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really looking forward to the 913 festival. Um, hopefully we're going to be able to be involved in that in some way. Uh, Alex and I are going to talk a little bit more, you know, as plans start to come together about possibly, you know, doing some photography or doing more uh, content around it for them. Um, and we'll see what happens, you know. Um, that's everything I've got for you guys this week on the episode. Um, be sure to check out Bad Planning. I've got all their socials linked in the description of the podcast. Um, you know, follow them on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you do all of your social media. Um, check out our site, we are still for about another week or so um, donating portions of all of our sales of the mental health awareness line. Um, so, you know, we really want to be able to, to do more with that. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. So that's just youmakethescene.com slash shop, and you'll be able to see all of that. Uh, next. So that's everything I've got for you guys this week. Um, I do want to take you out with a song by Bad Planning called Midwest Classic. Uh, if you're a fan of just old school, kind of edgier pop punk, uh, this is probably the track for you. Um, really excited to see what the guys do next. And, you know, hopefully all of this virus shit goes away soon and we'll be able to take care of business, right? So that's everything, guys. Thank you so much for your support. Remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.